Good morning and welcome to Wavemakers with Janet and Tom, a weekly conversation with people making a difference in the Tampa Bay region. I'm Janet. And I'm Tom. And answering the phones for us today is that voice for radio, John Dunn. If you want to join a conversation today, call us at 813-239-9663. John will get you through to us. You can also email us at dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813 813- Four three three zero eight eight five. September is Latin Heritage Month at WMNF, but we're starting a day early um, and talking with two people who are working hard, or a couple days early, and or, uh, talking with pe- two people who are working hard to get out the Hispanic vote for Hillsborough Democrats in the upcoming general election. Hispanics have traditionally leaned Democrat, but Republicans have made significant inroads in recent years. In Florida, Donald Trump won. of the Cuban vote, 30% of the Puerto Rican vote, and 48% of other Hispanics. Although Joe Biden won 59% of Florida Hispanic voters, it wasn't enough to win the state. So Florida Democratic Party Chairman Manny Diaz of Miami, who is Cuban-American, set an ambitious goal of getting at least 60% of Hispanics to vote for Democrats this year. Can they do it? Joining us today are two of the people trying to make that happen. Uh, School board member Karen Perez, who was recently re-elected to the board, and Victor DeMaio, a political consultant and president of the Hillsborough County Democratic Hispanic Caucus. Welcome, Karen and Victor. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Uh, Let's start by talking about the makeup of the 2.5 million people who identify as Hispanic voters in Florida. Many, if not most, actually identify more with their home country than they do with a broad term like Hispanic. So, um, Karen, tell us, what does it mean when we say Hispanic, and how do you deal politically with that diversity? Well, we have a lot of, you know, when we say Hispanic, we normally speak about Spain area. When we say Latino... We talk about the island, you know, um, south. Um, so um, here in, we have such a f- wonderful diversity here in uh, Florida. We have Nicaraguenses, we have Dominicans, we have Cubans, we have um, um, Puerto Ricans, a very big, wide diversity. But here in uh, our Tampa, Florida, we have a large Puerto Rican population. Um, here in Tampa alone, we have 103,138 Puerto Ricans that live just in Hillsborough County alone. Um, you know, not to mention the other diverse uh, Latino um, populations that are included here in the Tampa Bay area. And you are? Puerto Rican. You are Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. And you are the first Puerto Rican to be elected countywide in Hillsborough County. Is that correct? The first Puerto Rican to ever be elected, period. Oh, uh-huh. okay. In our amazing political um, arena here in Hillsborough County, but also the first Latina to be elected um, countywide, period. Mm-hmm. 
And I think a lot of people might be under the impression, especially if they're not Hispanic, that Cuban-Americans comprise the largest uh, segment of the Hispanic block, if we can call it a block. Uh, but in fact, Puerto Ricans actually comprise a larger number of people. Is that right? Yes. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that Puerto Ricans are actually Americans. Mm-hmm. You know, when they when they um, talk about, you know, oh, you know, um, I'm coming over to America. Actually, Puerto Rico is part of the United States. So they're actually only coming over to the mainland, you know, when they come over here to Florida or wherever here, you know, on the mainland they come. But yes, Puerto Ricans are Americans. And um, yeah, they comprise a large number, especially I believe that it, uh, migration took place when Hurricane Maria happened is when we saw a, a great um, movement um, over to Florida, especially over in central Florida, which in was the Orlando, Orlando area. area. Was a, in, Correct. Especially in like mm-hmm. Osceola County and Kissimmee, Correct. there's a huge number of uh, Hispanics. Yes. If, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Wavemakers on WMNF, and we're talking about getting out the Hispanic vote in November. Um, if you want to uh, give us a call and talk to us, we've got um, school board member Karen Perez, who was just um, elected statewide in the midterm election, or, or to the school board, the Hillsborough County School Board in the midterm election, so she can rest easy now. Um, at least in her race. And then we have um, Vic DeMaio from the Hillsborough County Democratic Party's um, Hispanic Caucus. So give us a call, 813-239-9663, or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and tell us what do you think about the importance of getting out the Hispanic vote in these general elections come November. Victor, talk to us about that. Why is it how important is it if you are running in Hillsborough County, somewhere in the Tampa Bay region, or if you're running in Florida, how important is it to get out the Hispanic vote? How important is that to Charlie Crist, to Ron DeSantis, to activate, motivate, get those voters out for them? Well, actually, uh, you know, I, I, kept, I, I kept bugging Charlie so much about picking a Hispanic woman. Uh, see, he took my advice. <laughs> Every time I saw him, you got to get a Hispanic woman. You got to say, I said... And you, you figure, why is that? It's just raw numbers. I mean, uh, I worked for the Census Bureau. I knew 30 years ago that this, uh, this number thing was going to be huge. Uh, you know, Hispanics have passed African Americans as the largest minority in the United States. Uh, so if you look at how close our elections are uh, in the state of Florida, it, they're all decided by uh, half of 1%, for Christ's sake. So, you know, if you can, if you can sway enough, you know, Hispanics... One way or another, you can win or lose an election. So, so the fact that he appointed someone, a woman, right. who, let's face it, most people had never heard of her, right. but she's Hispanic. Right. And not only just Hispanic, she is, is uh, Honduras, Honduras yeah. which is also very interesting, reflects the diversity of the Hispanic population. But exactly. is, that, is that a really like, vivid example of well, the importance exactly. of the Hispanic and, and, You know, this is one reason I supported Manny Diaz for chair. I mean, you know, the, you know, the Hispanic population is growing exponentially. Uh, Hillsborough County School says that 40% of the Hispanic population uh, is, uh, is, are going to school now. In, in Miami-Dade, over 60%, 60% electric is Hispanic, 60%. You go to Kissimmee, over almost 80% of the voting population in Kissimmee, Orlando, is Puerto Rican. You know, that's why we love Karen so much, because she's our Puerto Rican uh, person who is duly elected. And, um, 
if you look, they just, after the, you know, we talked about the hurricane and how many Puerto Ricans came to the United States because of the hurricane. Or came to here. Florida, came you know, to another came part to of the United States. Yeah, <laughs> but they went to, they went to, there a few went, but they did a study to figure what the actual numbers were. And of the top 10 cities in the U.S. that they migrated to, eight of them were here in Florida. I mean, you yeah. could take Orlando, Tampa, Miami. They, that's where most of the Puerto Ricans came because of the... And so when Rick there. Scott was uh, uh, elected in this last round, right. it was a close election. Right. But he targeted Hispanic voters, particularly Puerto Ricans. I have read some analysis that suggests that that was a, a very important part of his very narrow victory. Would you Right, but we're going to use that? that against him, and I'll tell you why. There's a big issue going on, and, and he's been on this... Uh, He's been here a lot. Uh, uh, Senator Charlie Rodriguez, who's head of the Democratic Party of Puerto Rico, uh, he's a walking encyclopedia on the statehood issue. You know, Puerto Rico is not technically a state. If Puerto Rico became a state, guess what? They'll have two senators and five congressmen. Mm-hmm. Why the Democrats aren't all over this, I don't know. Because, uh, just to clarify for our listeners, although Cuban-Americans tend to vote Republican, Puerto Ricans are solidly Democrat. Is that pretty right? Much, pretty much, yeah. Or, or, or the, the Republicans are. have been peeling some away, right? Yeah, there's a, you know, the uh, the represent, you know, Puerto Rico does get one rep, non-voting representative in the con- uh, Congress, uh, and she was Republican when there was a Republican majority. But the fact, the fact is this, you know, Marco Rubio, Rick Scott, talk a good game, but our friend, uh, Congressman Darren Soto, who's a, a half Italian like me, but Puerto Rican, uh, where I'm Cuban, uh, my other half, uh, he spa- he's the prime sponsor in the U.S. for the statehood bill for, to allow Puerto Rico to become a full state and with all the rights and privileges that comes with. Which so, the Puerto Ricans support. Right. They've, they've had yes. referendum on, on they've these. They've had five they're... plebiscites, and they've all been positive. So yes. this, this is another chance, the final vote. It passed the House. Uh, it was a compromise between Ocasio-Cortez and, and Darren Soto. Uh, if it gets to the Senate, I mean, this, to me, it's a no-brainer. So now Rubio and Scott are going to have to put up or shut up, as we say. I mm-hmm. say, okay, you talk a lot about loving Puerto Ricans. They want to be a state. Where's your vote? Where does Charlie Chris stand on that issue? Oh, he's, he co-sponsored the bill. Okay. Charlie Chris and Kathy Kasser were co-sponsors of Congressman Darren Soto of Orlando's bill to allow Puerto Rico to become okay. a full And so state. you think that would be an issue that would resonate with Absolutely. Puerto we're Ricans gonna... living in Florida? Yes. Absolutely. You, you think yes. so? Okay. Yes. Yes. When so, is the vote supposed to be? Well, it's, it's, it, the, the bill itself was compromised out of committee. It's, it's, it's going to pass the House without a problem. The problem we have is in the Senate because, as you know, you need 10 Republicans to go along with, with uh, Democrats to, uh, to pass this thing. So that's the problem we have right Well, now. let me ask you about uh, some of the, the, the tactical issues here regarding uh, the Hispanic vote. Do Hispanics vote at the same percentage as others? What, what is the, the turnout like uh, among Hispanic voters, generally speaking? Are they engaged, or do they need to be more engaged? Well, let me say this. They're, they're block voters. So I, this is my second term. I don't, I don't know if we mentioned that. Um, you were reelected. Correct. And you beat two opponents, one of whom was strongly endorsed by Ron DeSantis. Correct. And you beat that back. She's one of the, most one of his few one of the few most of the candidates he backed won. The Trump endorsed right. DeSantis endorsed. Yeah, what the, whatever is the difference yeah. between yeah. Trump yeah. and DeSantis. So so they're block voters. So what happens is, you know, grandma sitting at her abuela sitting at her table will um not realizing will be phone banking because, you know, she'll call Thea or, you know, Theo, and then they'll, they'll make phone calls. And they don't realize that 
they're, that's the old-fashioned style phone banking, you know, for yep. themselves. Mm-hmm. And then they get a slew of people because then, you know, they'll get in the car and then they'll go to, the, to, the, to vote, you know, together. Um, and very old-fashioned way of, you know, going to the polls. And, you know, it's just interesting how in the Latino community, they were, they were doing this, you know, what, what we call now souls to the polls. But they did it for a long time. They've been doing this for a while now. Um, you know, but so their turnout is uh, pretty good, or, pre- or, or is pretty, that? When, it's, it's pretty good. When you're targeting voters, mm-hmm. first thing you need to do is get them registered to vote. So right. is there is that go. a challenge right now for Hispanic voters to get them registered? Say, for example, I mean, Puerto Ricans they're already Americans, so it's Correct. probably a little bit easier. You don't have to deal with you know your citizenship issues, whereas right. you might have to with other folks like Mexicans. Correct. Correct. Right. But the difference is, on on the island of Puerto Rico, the voting process is very different. Very different. And when they come here to the mainland, they realize that the voting process looks, doesn't mirror how it looks in Puerto Rico. And so the education has to take place. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lacking of that education when they come here to the mainland, you know, when they register um, to drive, when, when they register, you know, their children in school, when they register, there's um, a lack of education on the voting process here in the mainland. And because then they don't have once you get clean parties like we do here. Here you got the big Republican Party, the big Democratic Party, a whole bunch of teeny parties. In Puerto Rico, it's an education, to answer your question too, mm-hmm. to, is an education process for Puerto Ricans to come there, they're like, the big parties down there, the new progressive party, uh, the Populares, there, there's several parties. That, Popular and, party. and even though, Right. Mm-hmm. And they, even though there is a Democratic Republican Party, it's almost in Puerto Rico that you're a member of two parties. You might be a, a new progressive party and a Democrat or, you know, Popularity Party and Republican. So it, it's, an edu- it's an education promise, pro- process. But as you, the, the main thing is you don't have to worry if you're out there registering voters of getting any Puerto Rican, whether here or from Puerto Rico, of being a citizen, which you do have to worry about if it's a Mexican or a Venezuelan or a Colombian or any other party. Even Cubans are now, because they've tightened up the immigration policy with Cubans, it's a little bit tougher for them to become citizens. I want to read a text message we received um, from an unnamed person, and it says, it's critical to get out the Latino vote in rural Florida and reach all Democratic voters outside of the big cities. They are out there and critical for winning statewide. They need to know Democrats care about people living in small towns. And Karen, I see you nodding over there. Tell me about that. Respond to that text message. Yes, actually, because we, we worry about um, voters here like in in the um, in the city of Tampa, but out in Waimama or, you know, out in Plant City, you know, we really need to um, galvanize and get those votes because those voters, you know, out there really, really, you know, get out and vote. And the Latino voice out there in Waimama and, and Plant City, you know, they really really need to be educated and pulled into our democratic process. So we've been talking about the Hispanic vote, the Latino vote, in a very monolithic way. But in fact, as we talked about, they're they're different. Um, The different, whether you're from Puerto Rico or Colombia or Cuba or Mexico. How do you 
do your outreach? How do you reach such a diverse group? What sort of methods and tactics do you use? Uh, through the media. I mean, we, you know, when I started in radio in, you know, the late 70s, we only had one radio station here in Spanish, and it was like a noon to the sign-off. Uh, fast forward now, uh, you know, there's probably a dozen Spanish radio stations. There's a couple of newspapers. There's, and everybody knows about Telemundo, Univision. For Puerto Ricans, there's a station here. Uh, the big network in uh, one of the big networks is WAPA in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. They have. But if you don't speak Spanish, this is almost a parallel universe. Right. So it's, it's you're yeah, absolutely, you don't right. Even realize absolutely right. And this is where the Republicans have been successful because all this costs money, and they have the money, and they've invested in it. The, they they knew what we also know, which is you've got to invest in the Hispanic vote, and that means. You know, doing the outreach on radio, TV, newspapers, and knocking on doors. Well, there you have know? been suggestions that the Democrats have taken the Hispanic vote for granted. No, that's not true. That's years. never been true. It's a, it's what it's been. It's not taken. It's just the, you can say the same thing about the black vote. But the fact of the matter is, you know, the, the us in the party who do this uh, for a living know that this have known for a long time how important the Hispanic vote. Is and it's growing exponentially. And what specific? So name me like three specific things you're doing in, say, Hillsborough County, to get more Hispanics to vote Democrat. Well, we're go, we're opening up. Uh, we've done this every cycle. We're opening up. Uh, we had a Casa Obama, Casa Biden, and it's going to be Casa Christ, and it's going to be here in Central Florida and Tampa, actually. But you know, we're oh, going to the statewide office. The statewide office. It's going to be in Tampa, be right here in Tampa, okay. right? And we're going to be running it out of Tampa. Uh, the, the the party has invested in hiring uh, top-notch people to do Hispanic bilingual people. There's people coming down here from Washington, D.C. to work uh, that are bilingual in Spanish. And probably two-thirds of the staff people that we have now are Puerto Rican. Uh, so it shows, you know, the party is investing very, very heavily. And Manny is, too. I was part of a small group that met with uh, Manny. Manny Diaz, weeks. the Manny chairman Diaz. of I'm the I'm sorry, Democratic call him Manny. That's okay. Uh, but former Man, yeah, former mayor, mayor of Miami. Miami. Yeah, yeah, I mean... This, Even though he's a Democrat. That's true, but, you know, <laughs> and, and he's a Cuban, so he owns it. He understands the complexity of the Cuban issue, which I'm Cuban as well, and believe me, it's very complicated. It is very complicated. It, you know, Puerto Rican politics is a little complicated because of all the different parties. It took me a long time to understand what's the PMP, what is the Progressive Party, how does it relate to Democrats or Republicans, and the statehood issue is huge. It used to, the trend to answer Janice's question. You know, the trend has gone. It was it was a little bit you know uh, in favor of now. It's almost it pulls almost eighty percent here in in the states of people favoring statehood. And sadly, the last hurricane proved it when Donald Trump was throwing paper towels at the <laughs> Puerto Ricans uh, the last and, time he was done it. And if I could jump in here for a second, Victor, and also they're, they're, they look just like Charlie Crist did. They seek to find uh, candidates right. who are bilingual, right. not just by the surname, but who can um, engage with the voter in their, in their native tongue. Mm-hmm. You know, um, to have like my last name Perez is great. You know, to attract that 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 vote, but to be able to engage in the native tongue with the with the voters is a, on a whole different level. Right. Well, speaking of which, how significant is it, and how important is it that um, candidate Christ selected a, um, a, a Latino running mate, and will that make a difference? You think? Um, in the election, will that help him? It's it's huge because again, like Manny Diaz, she speaks fluent Spanish. She's Honduran. She was born and raised in Miami. Uh, you know, we have we have to expand our bench, 
And, uh, you know, Nunes, even though she's Cuban, she made a big bonehead move by being on a Spanish radio station here about a week ago and saying they should ship the illegal Cubans to Delaware. I'm not sure what they're going to do in Delaware, but, you know, (laughs) right now there's a major fight going on. It's a really interesting uh, uh, announcement she made because... I, I never I thought I would, I, well, well, I mean, I, I, I never heard of a Republican taking a position like that. And, and, and I wonder, I, I, does it reflect some sort of split now within uh, the Cuban community? I've read some speculation that some of the folks who have who moved here from Cuba, say, 10, 20, 30 years ago, are looking at the new folks coming from Cuba. Oh, they're socialists. We don't need them here, which... Are you hearing well, the any socialism, of that? The, the socialism issue uh, is is across the board, and, and that's one of the problems. The, one of the problems we have in the Democratic Party is the progressives in the party. Um, you know, the the word progressive. You tra- You know, this is a translation, mm-hmm. thing, right? The word progressive, uh, you know, translates to socialist, which translates into communist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're a socialist, you're communist, and and and. and and the Republicans mm. have been very effective at drawing that straight line yep. and calling us communists. We're not communists, but but they tell you, you know, you know, if you repeat something long enough, people start to believe it. And, you know, there's people on the other side that lap up anything you say. So, sadly, they don't think about it. And they think, you know, and, and communism is a huge issue in Central and South America uh, because of because of Cuba and because of Venezuela, you know, between between the Castro regime and the. Uh, is there a counter argument? Because just like you said, the Republicans have done such a good job at labeling the Democrats as socialists and therefore communists. What's the counter argument? What do the Democrats do to push back against that? So what I do, I'm a social worker. You know, so that's that's my forte. So, in, you know, I'm, I'm bilingual, fluent in Spanish. So when I um, provide them any resources, I remind them. So remember, I'm providing you resources for you to be secure here in in the state. And I'm a Democrat. And I'm helping you secure housing. I'm a Democrat. And I'm helping you get your children um, enrolled in school. I'm a Democrat. And by the way, let me take you and your children over to get some clothes out of my out of my pocket. I'll purchase that. I'm a Democrat. So I remind them that these are um, things that Democrats help them with, that these are, um, you know, um, um, lift ups that Democrats help with, that um, socialists and communists would never do something like that. Right. You know, and then I'm speaking to them in their native tongue. And when I'm speaking to them, I'm not in Spanglish, not through mm-hmm. an interpreter, you know, but me and them having a kitchen table conversation. Then they, they start realizing, oh, wow, it's true. You know, you have to, um, like, like they said, you know, roll up your sleeves and get into that. Um, conversation with them. Well, uh, and you speaking know. of that issue of uh, the socialism and and the um, freedoms and that sort of thing, one of the th- things that's kind of twisty is this idea of that a lot of what a lot of why a lot of people like DeSantis is because he wanted to open the state. He was where the Florida is a free state, right? And so during COVID. Um, when you had the Democrats or more pushing towards closing things down, stay home, stay home from work, telling people what to do, wear a mask. How did that strike? Did that strike as, you know, 
authoritarian? I, I don't know. How did what what did you hear? What were you hearing? So Karen can, can I speak from my professionalism here? Mm-hmm. So I'm a hospital social worker. So I was able to I, I knew the statistics about how um, COVID affected the Latino and the black community, you know, from from a professional standpoint. So, you know, when the Latino community and the and the black Latin, the black community does not have access to health care, the way other demographics have access to health care, you know, I was able to have those conversations when you know I was providing um, resources for burial expenses, when I was providing resources for health care, when I was providing resources, you know, to really um, support the families, you know, the, the Latino community was a community that was really affected by COVID. And so was the black community. So you have to remember also that a lot of Latinos, they fall into the black community because they're Afro-Latinos. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I speak about the Latino community, I also include them in the black community because you have your Afro-Cubans, your Afro-Puerto um, Ricans, um, and, and then your um, Dominicans. Right. So, um, so COVID really affected these mm-hmm. families. Mm-hmm. Right, um, because they tend to be workers, you know, yeah, uh, in, in hotels, restaurants. Yeah, you go, uh-huh. you go to any kitchen in in Tampa or anywhere in in, in this ten county area where people here, as you walk in the kitchen, they don't speak English. So, do they credit DeSantis with being able to work and continue to feed their family because he 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 eased a lot of these restrictions? Mm-hmm. Is that something that Chris is going to have to deal with? Well, no, actually, because um, they felt that um, they were forced to work. And therefore, some of their families passed. Ah, so they were being exposed. Correct. Gotcha. But the schools, would the school, just to clarify this, would the, do they feel differently about the schools because they needed to get their kids into school? And people may forget that two years ago, you all made a pivotal, the school board yes. in Hillsborough made a pivotal vote to go forward with schools. Correct. Uh, and, and you and, know, Karen personally went head to head with DeSantis at a press conference here in Tampa. And they had a, they had another shot. Public, a, a public, they had a public uh, little tiff about it because you know, look, the bottom line is that the COVID killed millions of people, and we didn't know a lot of stuff early on what the heck right. was happening. They didn't have yeah. you know a lot of the drugs and stuff like sure. that. So, you know, our first our first concern is is trying to you know save lives and not people to get sick. And Karen. You know, cares about that, and she and she tried to do the right thing. But DeSantis, all he cared about is opening up. You know, mm-hmm. let's get back, get to work, whatever. You know, but again, it was a crapshoot. He turned out to be right, but <laughs> well, I don't know about right. But, you know, but you know, there's still people. I think <laughs> yeah. we have a good argument to say a lot of people died because of you know because Getting of the policies. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to come back. Uh, we'll be back in a minute and we'll talk more about um, the Hispanic voting population and issues in the general election in November. Um, but first, let's take a break um, for some information about the WMNF endowment campaign. This is Gary Gibbons, a longtime listener, supporter, and volunteer here at WMNF. My wife Jane and I believe strongly in the mission and values of WMNF and we want the station to continue on forever. That's why we've met the match by contributing to WMNF's brand new endowment fund. And we're super excited that our donation's going to be matched and so can yours. So please go to WMNF.org right now 
and click on the Meet the Match button to do your part to ensure that WMNF's financial future will be bright. The matching funds are only available for a short time, so please do it today. Thank you. The Community <laughs> Foundation Tampa Bay supports nonprofits through the power of endowment. You're listening to Wavemakers and WMNF with Janet and Tom, um, and we're talking about getting out the Hispanic vote um, for the November election. If you want to join the conversation, you can give us a call at 813-239-9663. You can email us at dj at wmnf.org, or you can text us at 813-433-0885. And please remember, you are listening to community-sponsored commercial-free radio. We're powered by volunteers like me and people like you who support the station. You can show your support by going to WMNF.org and hitting the tip jar to make a donation. And if you go ahead and hit the tip jar sometime in the next 25 minutes, then uh, you'll be supporting direct support for Wavemakers on WMNF. <laughs> so uh, back to our guests. We were talking um, before the break about... Um, Issues that are com- that are will weigh and and have an impact on this election. What about um, abortion? So everybody is one of the, the conversation right now is all about abortion, abortion, abortion. Vote about abortion in November. Um, and again, I'm talking about it in a a large block, but break it down. Where do the various Hispanic groups stand on abortion, and how might that impact the election in November? Uh, I don't know if you. For those who haven't heard, there was a very, a few weeks ago, there was a big news splash because two national Hispanic organizations did a nationwide poll, uh, uh, Mi, Mi Familia Vota and, and, um, and uh, oh, excuse me, it was Mi Familia Vota and Unidas USA. And th- they're two Hispanic civil rights groups and everybody assumed uh, because, you know, this is part of what we're talking about. How do you take the English stuff and translate it into Spanish, right? Well, it turns to find out that does, you know, this because of the Spanish media covering uh, the English issues of the day, which is in this case abortion, uh, they found out for the first time abortion went from down at the very bottom, pulling at 3% of what people cared about in the Hispanic community. And it's, it's in the top five issue now, which was shocked the heck out of everybody. It was This has made national news. Uh, Morning Joe talked about it. And what it found out was that... Uh, a majority of respondents I'm reading here, uh, 77% say we're probably they're going to vote. The Hispanics are going to vote in the next election. Uh, and over 50% say they're voting Democratic. And only 22% say they're going to vote uh, Republican. Um, but they hmm, What about those other 30%? Oh, undecided, undecided probably. Yeah, 21% yep. undecided. But this uh, poll went in Arizona, California, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, and Pennsylvania. Um, and it said that even though Hispanics may be personally, because a lot of people say, well, Hispanics are all Catholic and they're against abortion, actually amongst Anglo-Catholics like myself, that their dirty little secret is over 50% of Catholics believe that you should have the right to an abortion even though they love the Pope. Okay, it's not a secret now, Victor. Okay. You just said it on so the I'm air. So I just said it on the air, right. <laughs> but, uh, but even though Hispanics may be against abortion personally, they don't feel it's right. And this poll was was eye-popping because they don't feel it's right to take that right away from somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I may be against abortion personally, but they, a lot of pe- uh, uh, Hispanics come from countries uh, where rights are taken away from, whether you live in Cuba or Venezuela. So or, is that know. a message you're going to be pushing out to uh, Hispanic voters? This that, is a new, this that, is, yes. Yeah, but, but, exactly. but, but, so that Chris is pro-choice and DeSantis 
is so anti-abortion he doesn't even support exemptions well, the, for rape and incest. The Florida bill right now, after 15 weeks, uh, you're done. I mean, you know, there's no exception. And I he's mean, talking about wanting to tighten it even further, right. although he won't say, you know, what right. he has in mind. And but, what's happened now, it's like the dog caught the car. Now the, dog, now the dog's freaking out because he doesn't know what to do with the car. And that's what the Republicans are having major conniptions right now because they realize this is a very ugly, very divisive it's, it's, it's just going to kill them in the midterms because they realize, just like the Hispanics in this last poll that was done, that, yes, they may be personally against uh, abortion, but they don't think that right should be taken away from any American. And this is, and this is why the Republicans, you don't, they're like a clam right now. They're not saying, they, you know, they, there's people following DeSantis saying, okay, what do you want to do now? You got, you got the car. What, what, are you for it? Are you going to go all the way? Because there's, there's 10 states now that, that are, uh, abortion is like from the money conception. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no exception. You heard about the 10-year-old girl up north. A 10-year-old girl could not get an abortion in her own state. She had to go to the next state. I mean, she was raped by a family member. I mean, this is Well, insane. we already had a judge in Hillsborough County who was ousted. Right. Uh, 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 I would think largely because of the opinion he, he had where he prevented a, a mm-hmm. teenager from getting an abortion. And exactly. he was overturned uh, by the appeals court who said he was too extreme and had, had, had misstated facts, etc. So abortion can definitely take somebody out. But however, how do you get that message across to link it to a particular candidate? People may not be focused on you know, DeSantis's position. Charlie on says that every time he opens his mouth, he's saying, I am pro-choice, I am pro-women, I am pro-women health care. These are very serious issues, and Hispanics are affected by this. You know, we, we you know, like Karen Haskins would to say, you know, Democrats are the one giving you all these extra services. State Representative Susan Valdez had a constituent come in her office. She was bashing the Democrats, and but she, but she wanted help. And, you know, Susan provided the help. And she says, you know, I'm a Democrat. You know, the mm-hmm. Dem- this is a Democrat, you know, giving you health care through Obamacare, whatever. This is a Democrat issue. The Republicans hate that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, it's Although it's they big. get health care and beans and rice in Cuba. So, well, that's, <laughs> just saying. That's a different, that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a, that's a broken government there in Cuba. <laughs> Um, so, moving on, what about immigration? So, that's another big um, hot-button issue for um, it, it will, in the election coming up in November. And yet, uh, probably a lot of our Hispanic voters in Florida are actually immigrants. We're all so, immigrants, by the way. If you're not an Indian, you're an immigrant. Okay, so recent, you're right, for, for recent immigrants. Let's yes, be, my family be. is an immigrant. My family came here 100 years ago. Mine did, too. My, my, my Cuban yeah. uh, grandparents came from Cuba to make cigars here in in the famous Ebor City Cigar Factory. So, so how do where how does that play? How do you message that? How does that work? And how does that sort of impact the Hispanic voter? Well, you know, when you look at Charlie Chris Pick, you know, um, a <laughs> lieutenant governor from from Honduras. Honduras, you know, she came here, and that's that's making a a major um, statement mm-hmm. for for um, for Charlie Chris, you know. Um, because he could have, he could have picked a Puerto Rican. He could have picked a Cuban. He could, but he picked someone from Honduras. Right now, there's a major move, you know, from Honduras with with um, folks coming here. So um, I think what there, what the message there is, is that, you know, we're looking at that and supporting, supporting that here um, in the United States, but supporting it in a, in the right way. You know, being able to. Um, um, support 
our immigration, um, but doing it correctly. And because Hispanics make up almost 20 to 25% of the electorate. That's one out of Hillsborough County, one out of every four people. Do you bump in your line of four people? <laughs> you know, one of them's Hispanic. I don't care where you go. And that's what's so critical. You know, we need a woman who can go on the air head to head with Jeanette Nunez and speak fluent Spanish mm-hmm. on Spanish radio, mm-hmm. on Spanish TV, and talk about our issues. It, it, you know, it's always, and we got Marco Rubio up there, who's, who again, he's Cuban, but he speaks fluent Spanish. And they are speaking to that audience, and now we have a chance to. Do we have any um, sort of poll numbers or anything that tell us where um, the Hispanic community stands on the immigration issue? Do we know? I think, I think one of the things uh, that we discovered during the last cycle, especially in the border states like Texas, uh, was that a lot of the Hispanics that came over, Mexicans, that were already here uh, in, in the United States, we're kind of overrun by some of the people coming across the border. So it's like, I'm here, now I don't want, you know, I'm not saying this is universal, mm-hmm. but there is a small percentage of people who feel like, you know, I've got, I've got what I want and now I'm going to keep it, you know, to myself. <laughs> and it's sad, but it's true. Uh, Cubans don't think that way generally. Uh, there may be a small percentage, and I think Jeanette Nunes uh, suck her foot in the mouth by going after Cubans and, and saying they're going to be deported to Delaware. It, yeah, but, that did know. not seem like a smart move. It was not a smart move. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Wavemakers with Janet and Tom, and we are talking with Hillsborough School Board member Karen Perez and political consultant Victor DeMaio about their efforts to reach out to Hispanic voters in the midterm elections. They're trying to push back the Republican uh, successes that they've had in the last few years about grabbing a few of those voters and turning them into Republicans. And so they're talking about how they're going to convert them to Democrats this year. And one of the issues that is uh, roiling, frankly, the midterm elections is Donald Trump. He continues to be a big issue that's concerning to a lot of Republicans who would just as soon talk about something, anything other than Donald Trump. But how does how does he play out among Hispanic voters? Well, you know, uh, if you remember when he came down the golden uh, staircase when he first announced. <laughs> oh, uh, yes, his, I remember. The, some of the first words out of his mouth was just demonizing. Well, Mexicans, the Mexicans, yes. Uh, some demonized. of them are good people. And, and there's these, a couple of them. There's a couple good ones. But, you know, this, it, uh, you know. That takes place with all Hispanics. I mean, you can you can say that. And yet that he, about, he was able to increase his share of the Hispanic vote. And so we said at the that. head of the show, you know, we're all all of us are immigrants. You know, my family came from Cuba and Italy. You know, this we are all immigrants. You know, why do you have to demonize? You know, this is this is an effective tactic that's gone on. You know, if, uh, you know, back in. But the cur- the the new tactic that Biden is tr- is is is, is uh, trying now is to uh, warn about the rising authoritarian uh, movement within the Republican Party led by Donald Trump. Right. Uh, the concerns about fascism. He even referred to Trump supporters as semi-fascists. Mm-hmm. How will that resonate with the Hispanic community? Well, they come from countries that this this is. Some Hispanics, uh, whether you're Puerto Rican or Cuban, they like that strong man, that macho, we call it, that macho image, you know, strong man. They're, they're, this is the leadership that they grew up under under their individual country. So they're kind of... So they may used, not have come from countries with strong democracies. Right, 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 exactly. So they're used to this tough guy, strong man, macho. They like the fact that, the, you know, uh, Trump gets in your face. And I mean, Cubans have never 
had democracy. Cuba hasn't ever. been an independent country for God. I can't even say. Yeah. Well, that, so I would. So DeSantis would seem appealing then. I mean, he's he's in that image, right? Yes, for some people, you're right. So this is all part of an education process that we're trying to say. Look, you can you can be free. You don't have to live under a. You don't have to live under a tyrant. You know, there's the, the freedom and democracy comes with responsibility, but you can have a choice. You don't have to live under somebody who's going to put his thumb on you and tell you what to do all the time. So, because Latins are used to having, you know, not being the top of the food chain. They're used to being the, you know, here in the work, we're the worker bees. We're the guys that pick the fruits, that pick the oranges, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, that, that puts the food on your table. Well, speaking of which, the Republicans are trying to make hay out of the cancellation of, uh, of some cancellation of college loan debt, and they are... Uh, actually uh, engaging in what they used to criticize Democrats for, which is uh, class warfare, trying to pit uh, uh, non-college-educated uh, voters against college-educated voters. How is that going to play out among Hispanic voters? Are they going to feel the same resentment that the Republicans are trying to make them feel? Or are they going to uh, look at this as this is the way it should work? We have an educator here. Yes. I don't want to dominate this conversation. Go ahead. Well, um, you know, I, I was noticing some of the conversation where, um, you know, when they were, I, I noticed this, it was really interesting. My my daughter works on Wall Street, so I got a little a little bit vicariously through her financial education. So, you know, there was uh, folks that took out loans, you know, a few years ago, um, to to get their education, as opposed to some of our, um, you know, their their counterparts who, you know, their fathers paid for their loans or you know for for their schooling and didn't have loans, and then while they're trying to pay off these loans, companies sold off these loans to other companies, and you know, a loan that previously was forty thousand dollars now is like eighty thousand dollars. And, you know, so for Biden to say, I'm going to shave off $10,000, it's not that they're, he's shaving off $10,000 off the loan that they took. It's that he's shaving off $10,000 off of the company that is, um, you know, has this interest on this loan. You know, he's, he's not taking, he's not giving them free money. You know, he's, he's actually... Um, Put, um, putting the feet to the fire of these uh, loan sharks, basically, mm -hmm. um, who is taking advantage of the underdog who was trying to get a college education and trying to, you know, do something in their in their life. Um, and I think um, people are seeing that as, oh, you know, I went to school, I didn't get ten thousand dollars, and you know. When $10,000 really is not a lot when they still owe mm -hmm. more than they borrowed. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where you get a four-year college degree for ten grand. I mean, you know, my, uh, yeah. my right. brother went to medical school. I think his bill was half a million dollars when he was when he was. That down. was an interesting perspective that you had there. Yes. Thanks for sharing that. We got a couple calls, callers waiting to um, speak with us. So let's go to the phones. Um, uh, caller, you're on the air. Tell us who you are and what do you want to. What's on your mind? James and St. Pete. And Hi, James. I just want to say, don't underestimate the danger of this man. He Which man attacked, are we talking about? The former president. Okay. He has attacked democracy. He tried to steal an election. The only one stealing election was tried to steal an election was Donald Trump. All right. Thank you, James and St. Pete. Thanks, James. 
All right. Um, call- the, the insurrection at the at the Capitol was that it was an assault on American democracy. Thank you Once for the you call, James. Democracy, you'll never get it back. Uh, you are you are right. He is. I think definitely a, a lot of the folks listening right now agree with you. Thanks for the call, Thanks. James. Okay, caller, you're on the you're on the air. What's on your mind? Uh, hi, is that me? Yes. Hi. Um, uh, yeah, I'm calling uh, just to say, you know, I find it pretty atrocious um, to listen to um, to listen to anybody really speak about an entire. A group of people, or or uh, or people that they, you know, put into group, colonize people, um, you know, indigenous folks that they call Hispanic and, and Latin, you know, um, which were really just, you know, indigenous folks who were uh, colonized by Spain and also colonized by the Roman Catholic Church uh, and Italian, or uh, so, you know. To speak of people as Indian, to uh, you know, to, to speak of uh, people as Latino and Hispanic for the sake of your own benefit and your imperialist agendas uh, is not going to benefit uh, the planet itself, let alone anybody else on the planet. Um, and also, the, is somebody running for school board here? Uh, we have uh, someone who was just reelected to school board in, on August 23rd, Karen okay. Perez. Um, do you, Karen Perez, do you, do you support pay raises for the teachers? I do, but not, um, you know, I do support pay raises. And we have to look, um, you know, at our, um, at our finances to get those pay raises for our teachers. Okay, so now finance, speaking of finances, um, you know, uh, I don't know what it costs to run programs like STEM or, or STEAM or any of these imperialist programs uh, that have our children working for Raytheon and Northrop Grumman and all kinds of uh, general dynamics, all kinds of weapons uh, manufacturers that are um, hmm. uh, that, that have, you know, uh, imperialist manufacture, uh, weapons manufacturing uh, depots here. In Florida, especially here in the Tampa and, Bay area. Hey, um, excuse me. I, you know, you did not give us your name, and I appreciate your call. Thanks for calling in. We got a bunch of people on the line, okay. so I want to move on to I, another I'd call. Like but see Raytheon and Stem. thanks for your call. I really appreciate your call and your uh, comments. Let's go to Gary in Clearwater. Gary in Clearwater. Gary, you are on the air. What's on your mind? Well, hi, you guys. I just want to say it was absolutely disgusting when Trump went to. Puerto Rico I was throwing paper towels uh, during a hurricane. That was that was so disgusting. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we were talking about that um, just Very before nice. we went on the air about what a low moment that was. Um, we got another caller on the line. Let's go. Um, and I don't have your name. I'm sorry, but um, question mark. You are on the air. What's on your mind? Oh, this evening, yeah, I just wanted to mention that the stark reality that those voters of the state of Florida. So we have to come to is we have a duopoly in this country, two right-wing parties that are both pro-war, anti-universal health care, anti-maternal leave for pregnant women as well as married couples, anti-K-20 education, and anti-student debt relief. The $10,000 
piece of baloney that the Biden administration threw the college students was an insult. So we as voters have to realize historically that nothing, especially the Democratic Party, has done nothing for working people, the working poor, women, minorities. They've done nothing since LBJ was in the White House. Wait, so uh, t- hang on a minute. Let's let Victor respond to that. Victor, do you want to respond to that as our as the person in the room representing at least <laughs> one tiny portion of the Democratic Party? Have they done nothing? Well, with all due respect, no, that's not that's not exactly true at all. I mean, you know, if you look, if you, if you look at all, if you look at all the, par- and look at well, all let's the, let's let our guest, let's Victor, let's, speak, let Victor respond. Thanks on, for your call. Hold on. The question: uh, If we have universal health care in the United States of America for every living citizen from eight to one hundred eight, and you blame no. the Democrats for that lack, or do you blame the Republicans for that? Because we do have Obamacare, which is the most they could get. They're pro war. They're sending billions of dollars to Ukraine. Where our college students are two tr- or two trillion dollars in debt. Mm. Okay, there's something wrong with that. Okay. Well, I appreciate your call, and also, um, uh, thanks for calling uh, in. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Um, uh, we're talking today <laughs> with Karen Perez, who was recently reelected to the Hillsborough County School Board, and Vic DeMaio, who is the um, leads the Hillsborough County Democratic um, uh, Party. Hispanic, Hispanic Caucus. Yeah. I think it's you a just heard from the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, let's move on, though, in the last few minutes of the show here and talk about what's going on um, with um, the Hillsborough County Schools and the school board. Um, Tom mentioned, um, Karen, that you defeated a uh, DeSantis-backed candidate. So what's happening a little... What do you see? What's happening in our... What was that like, running against a DeSantis-backed candidate? And what are you seeing happening around the state and... Uh, are you concerned for our school boards? Well, you know, I I have to say this, and I got to thank Hillsborough County because they came out strong. They galvanized behind me, and they sent a strong message um, that, you know, that type of um, strategy was not going to be had here in Hillsborough County, number one. Um, and I thank you, you know, to listeners to Hillsborough County, you know, um, for my reelection. Um, and number two is, this is the first time in history that a governor, um, you know, set its sights on um, our public schools. I mean, you know, it's ne- been unheard of. Um, and but it's a very smart political strategy, I, mm-hmm. I have to say, because the school board is, quote, the bench in baseball or basketball, whatever. You have the bench, right. and that's where you develop new leaders. And, right. and, and, and like Pat Frank, for example, the legendary Democrat, first elected to the Hillsborough School Board, went on to the Florida House, went on to the Senate, county commission, became the clerk of the court. Mm-hmm. So... I wonder why the Democrats haven't adopted a similar strategy. But, you know, this, the school board is nonpartisan. And for him to... Right, to hypothetically, city's council, school board, yeah. and in fact, the judgeships yeah. <laughs> are nonpartisan. Um, and for him to have such an overreach, um, you know, is, is, is sending a new um, message, um, you know, to... Just not um, Florida, but also around the nation because they're watching what um, this governor is doing. Well, I have to agree with Tom. It's, 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 it is a very smart strategy, uh, Tom, and, and, uh, because, 
You know, I just read over the weekend that this uh, conservative billionaire donated $1.6 billion. This is a, to, the, to the guy, to the Federalist Society. This is the, the secretive, not so secretive, really, because uh, you, you're talking about a lot of judges are on the bench in Hillsborough County. They're Republican. They're all members of the Federalist Society, and, this, and that's exactly the hmm. litmus test. This, this billionaire is, 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 was, was the guy who got Trump to pack the court with conservative judges. So, yes, school board's important. Judges are important. You know, the Democratic Legislatures are important. Republicans identified the legislatures 12 years ago or even longer ago. No, it's actually a couple of decades. And why? It's because of redistricting. Redistricting. And now you have a situation in Florida and many other states, at least half the states, where you have basically no competitive legislative races because uh, the Republican Party took control in such a strong way 10 years ago. Right. Or twelve years ago, Absolutely and right. then they, then they redistricted things, and mm-hmm. they they've even solidified their gains even more. Well, so you can go back to almost this year. twenty or thirty years when they took over. They've had a lockstep. You know, they when I was in, in Tallahassee and worked for Governor Graham, you know, it was all Democrats. But the Republicans knew if we can get enough Republicans elected, we can take control even by one vote of the legislature. We can control all these district lines. And since they were able, since they did that and are able to do that, you see the you see the legislature does not reflect the voting public at all of Florida. It's it's packed with Republicans, and they cram Democrats and you know they're, they're, they don't they don't want Democrats in district. Well, I mean, so few of our elected officials and, actually reflect the elected bodies. So few of the bodies right. actually reflect. The voting public, or the right. or what what the the public actually wants, the majority. Exactly. One issue we didn't talk talk about, but I wanted to bring up very briefly because we don't have much more time. You were against the school property tax increase, which also went down. Mm-hmm. Why were you against it, and uh, well, did that help uh, your victory? I'm a social worker, and I know that you know the the public is you know kind of um, hurting right now because of the the economy. And, you know, we had a referendum, a half-cent referendum, just three and a half, three and a half years ago. And to add another tax on the back of a tax, it was going to hurt. Do you support the transportation tax, though, which was taken away by the courts? Well, our streets are, you know, I'm going to have to really research that to see what's going on with that. Well, the difference is that that tax passed and then was, was taken, re- away. taken away, right. whereas the school tax stuck. It's still there. And so the school tax didn't have a good, you know, m- machine or uh, campaign like it did a few years ago. So people said, we just get, see all the counties around us that passed that tax, they didn't have the tax, they didn't have the tax that we passed a few years ago for, for new air conditioners and fixing up the schools. They should have done it all at once to say, this is for school teachers too, but, you know, yeah, it's tough. Gas prices and everything else we have to pay is... Is sky high, rents and everything. So, um, Well, thanks for being here with us today, Victor um, DeMaio. And thank you for being with us, Karen Perez. We really appreciate it very much. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks to everyone who called, everyone who emailed and texted. Thanks to John for answering our phones. Stay tuned for three hours of fantastic music with Harrison Nash after the NPR News. This is WMNF Tampa. Wow.